Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Podcast Network, SoCal Sweat. My name is Ann McDaniels, a former NFL cheerleader and product manager turned actress and model who dreams of being a UFC fighter. Yow. Learning strategies to help motivate others leads me to bring you interviews each week from a range of athletes, experts in fitness and nutrition, and so much more. Thanks for listening to Believe, the number one podcast for working professionals. And let's push our endorphins to higher performance through SoCal Sweat. This is your host, Ann McDaniels, and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of SoCal Sweat. Today, we're going to be talking about vitality, what it means to be vital. Well, the word vitality is actually defined as the state of being strong and active, having energy. With the pressures of today's society, so many people seem to lack energy and vitality. Now, my guest today is Dr. Ellen Mishra. He's a certified orthopedic surgeon and teaches at Stanford Medical School. Now, Dr. Ellen Mishra wants us to stop feeling like we're pushing a rock up a hill. Do you ever just feel like you're doing that, maybe getting nowhere and lacking energy? Well, Dr. Allen recognized that, and he wrote a book called Vitality Essentials, which serves as the foundation for his Stanford course. His message remains so powerful that companies like GSV Adventures, Google, and Apple, and so many more have invited him to speak. His dynamic course and teachings are now available to everybody. So no more pushing that rock up a hill. Learn to be vital, learn to have energy, and he does it with these methods. How to pinpoint your purpose, how to dare greatly, how to think with time in mind, how to spark hope, how to be a terminator and tough, how to consider your sleep a superpower, how to stockpile your health, and finally, how to cultivate closeness. And I'm so happy to introduce today's guest, Dr. Ellen Mishra on Dare to be Vital. Well, good morning, Dr. Ellen Mitra. How are you today? I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I was so happy to discover Dr. Ellen on Clubhouse, the new, the new sensation for social media. Now, not only are you an orthopedic surgeon, and by the way, what do you think about the Tiger Woods situation this morning with the tibia, fibula, everything broken? Yes. No, I think I, I'm a big golf fan, big Tiger fan, and I wish him and his family the best. He sounds like he had a pretty devastating injury uh, in terms of the lower extremity fractures. Compound fractures are are ones where the bones stick out of the skin. And um, it sounds like he had one of those. I just heard on the radio that he had a a rod placed in in one of his legs and then some other pins and screws. Mm -hmm. So I think the good news is I didn't hear uh, anyone say he had any life-threatening injuries. So I think we can be thankful for that and we wish him the best of luck. Can you tell me a little bit about your childhood sports background, how you got into medicine? Yeah, so I was, uh, I grew up in a small town called Okemos, Michigan, in, uh, which is in the center of the state of Lansing. And uh, I, I grew up loving sports, um, you know, loved to play basketball, ran on the track team. And then I went to the University of Michigan for undergrad and medical school. Go blue to all those Wolverines out there. Uh, basketball is doing very well this year. Um, and I, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do other than I knew I wanted to be a doctor really early on. Um, I was fascinated by the human body and fascinated by trying to help people get better. Uh, when I was in medical school though, I really thought I wanted to be a cardiologist and actually did a couple years of cardiovascular research, including some time at Stanford. 
And then about three quarters of the way through medical school, I had a little revelation. I was like, oh no, I don't like sick people. And I'm like, but you're in medical school. What are you going to do? And I was very fortunate to discover orthopedics, which is not really sick people, but injured or people who have specific disorders. And it's one of the very few things in medicine where, as you know, which sounds like you've probably had some surgery <clears throat> yourself, you can try to fix something. So that could be a fracture, that could be a rotator cuff, that could be an ACL tear, things like that. And then specifically sports medicine, I was uh, lucky to, uh, after my orthopedic surgery training, I uh, did a fellowship at Stanford in sports medicine and have been very, very blessed to be in Northern California for a long time. Had you gotten any injuries during basketball or track that went to, <laughs> again, a love of orthopedics? Yeah, it's a funny story. I forgot to uh, you are very good at this, obviously. Um, so when I was probably a sophomore, maybe a junior in high school, uh, I ran the 800 meters and I high jumped. And I remember having this terrible pain in my knees. And I went to go see an orthopedic surgeon and he said, um, you know, I'm sorry, Alan, you have Oshkosh Slaughter's disease. And I was, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. I have cancer. And it turns out that that's just, you know, when you're growing and your bones are still not fully mature, if you jump too much or run too much, you can get a little tendonitis where the bone, where the tendon inserts into the bone. And it's named after these two Docs, Oshkin, Schlatter. It sounds like a terrible disease, it but does. It's, it's, it's usually self-limiting. But at oh. the time, actually, I still remember that when I see my patients in them, because he kind of just said that and walked out of the room. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And now when I try, when I say something medical to, to somebody, I try to under, understand that they're not going to hear the words I say. And this is why I think it's important. And I think why Clubhouse or, or podcasts are very important is the tone of your voice, the pace of your voice, the ability to even pause and, and open up time for questions is crucial in what I do as a physician. But I think it's crucial as we try to learn from each other, gosh, especially right now. Putting things all around your place to always be working out, always be physical. And this yeah. morning I was watching the news and it showed how completely parallel your physical and your mental and your memory are, 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 it can prevent Alzheimer's, constantly be moving. It's the diet and it's the exercise. So like you said, when you get up, there's a dumbbell right there. When you're making yeah. your coffee, use your stretching machine. There's, you can always be moving and right. you can add those extra calories. And they also did a study on, the, on Zooming and how in a, people do not have the ability to get up and walk around and it's like caged animals. So put it on audio only. You can be able to walk around and do a yoga pose, do some weightlifting. Where, how did you come up with that? Have you always been doing, doing that? Because I myself do that all the time. Well, I, I think somebody might have ca called me like relentlessly active when I was a kid. Um, I just was running around crazy all the time. But now I, I turn that into a, a mantra I call exercise relentlessly. And what I mean by that is exactly those two words, exercise and be relentless about it. And so during COVID, I think there's been uh, an epidemic of inactivity that has accompanied the COVID pandemic. And so as, as we emerge, hopefully out of the pandemic, we have a massive exercise deficit. And in that exercise deficit, I think we need to kind of start small. So that's why I put the dumbbell next to my bed. And if I touch my tooth, toothbrush at night or in the morning, I try to do a set of curls. If the microwave is turned on, I'll spend, you know, for heating up tea, coffee, oatmeal, 
in the morning, I'll spend that two minutes stretching my hamstrings or stretching my shoulders. And so that gets you two, five, eight, 10 minutes more per day. And those little micro habits add up. So those allow me, I've got some pretty tight hamstrings, but if I've been really consistent about stretching, when I go to get on a bike or when I go for a hike or go for a run, I've had two to five minutes every day in addition to what I do either before or after the run. And that pays massive dividends. So this idea of being working on your flexibility, your strength and, in, and your endurance relentless So data shows that low grade exercise, that could be 20 minute walk, is as good as Prozac or, or Zoloft for mild depression. And when you talk about long-term value of exercising relentlessly, there's clear value for for neurodegenerative disorders such as Alzheimer's. And the reasons why that, I mean, I'll drop a little science in here. This is the one thing that I, I'm exploring on Clubhouse and, and other mediums is, is to say, listen, I wanna help people, but I think sometimes we think that as physicians, people can't understand science. And I think that's that's because we, we need better translators. So let me try here and you can tell me whether, whether or not this is meaningful. I'm a for science you. nerd though, so I, I'm gonna love it. Okay. So I hope it applies to men, but it was about 450 women who happened to be twins. And this woman was interested, this woman researcher in England was interested in what are the risk factors for dementia in women between 50 and 60? And her primary outcome was just, okay, I'm going to measure their cognitive ability based on a, a, a validated scoring system every year. And the number one thing that correlates with dementia between a 50 and 60 year old is just your increasing age. Each year increases your risk. And, and I'm not exactly sure why she decided to measure your leg strength as well, but she found, especially at the end of 10 years, that leg strength, the stronger your legs were, the less risk of getting dementia. And she also did brain MRIs. So there was actually more gray matter, more white matter. So what this allows me to say to patients and people in, in, on Clubhouse and here is that leg power predicts brain power. So if you wanna have a diminished or decreased risk of getting Alzheimer's, you need to get on a bike, you need to walk, you need to hike. And, and people are a little bit afraid of knee arthritis, which is another reason why you should have strong legs, but they're petrified of dementia. So I think it's a motivating thing. So how did, how did I do in translating that research? It was great. And I wonder if, if, the, if the leg strength for the women particularly were known for lower body strength. So maybe that was also, um, and did they measure for osteoporosis on top of that? They didn't, they didn't, but there's emerging data to suggest why this actually happens is that if, if you do that biceps curl, you do that 15 minute walk, you get on the Peloton for 20 minutes, your bone, your, excuse me, your, your muscles are actually releasing uh, things like, they're called myokines, M-Y-O-K-I-N-E-S. And those are little proteins that help stimulate a variety of things in your body that are good. They help your heart, they help your brain, they help your muscles, everything. So you can think of your, your muscles. Uh, and this is what I do partially with daretobevital.com in terms of trying to teach people how to be more vital. As an orthopedic surgeon, I try to restore their function. And in my sort of alternative universe, which has sort of merged with merged together in Dare to Be Vital, I think it's impossible to be vital without by if you're idle. So I say you can't be vital by being idle. So I've been I've learned that we as humans are attracted to these little aphorisms. We remember them. So when I say leg power predicts brain power, and I tell you the story of that research, 
I could quote you all the p-values and all the numbers and the journals, but that's going to be less effective at you hopefully motivating, not maybe you, but your audience or other people to get moving. With your a lot of your patients, I'm sure you see a lot of athletic injuries and things like that, but you must see a lot of highly overweight patients that brought you to this movement. And how do you deal with that? There's a lot of, you know, there's excuses, every excuse in the book, and we know it. We know it a mile away. How do you counsel them? Because it's just, you know, it's a train wreck in front of you, but you can't really, there's only so much you can say. What, what are some of the key elements that you tell these patients? So that's a, that's a really good question. And so it's very difficult in the medical arena to do that. And so maybe you're talking to Alan, the guy who works at Dare to be Vital versus Dr. Alan, the guy who works in the clinic. I do know and talk to my patients about their, their diet, weight, sleep, and exercise, because they're all connected. But let me, let me talk to you a little bit about it. Let's say you were one of my students and you were saying, yes, the same question as opposed to one of my patients, because it's a little different. And, and so here's a question I would have maybe as a patient. Do you want to be treated well, or do you want to be treated um, optimally? And you would say? Yeah, optimally, please. Okay. So this is a game. Okay. But um, I, I then say, okay, well, my job is always to treat you well. That's what, you know, that's my, I can only do my best to treat you well. In order to treat you optimally, you need to take ownership over your decisions, choices, and, and your vitality. And then they kind of tilt their head like, did he just say that? And I said, yeah. So 60 to 70% of health, your health and wellness has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with your genetics. It has to do with your behavior and your environment. And that's, that's, that's a difficult com- conversation in, in, in the office because I get 15 or 20 minutes to try and you know, convince people. But I try to get them to understand why they're going to do what I suggest to do. Because if you can't understand the why, it doesn't matter what the how is. So what I teach in my classes, and um, you know, I'm actually teaching it again in April, uh, this classic uh, through Stanford Continuing Studies called uh, Vitality Essentials. It actually just opened for enrollment yesterday. Space is limited. Check it out on daretobevital.com. But I really push the students in a way I don't push my patients because I feel like I can be a little more paternalistic with them. And I'll say things like, you need to live at your ideal weight. No matter what else you do, if you don't live at your ideal weight, you're going to be swimming uphill. The other things I suggest is that you just be more aware of your choices. Um, I think the reason why there's a thousand diets out there is that, you know, they all sort of work and they all sort of don't work. And I think it needs to, you need to find a match for you. What's worked for me. And, and I also just try to share a lot about myself is I don't like to be on a diet. Um, but what, what changed for me, especially last year during COVID is I just learned to be aware of what I was eating. Okay. Do I, am I really hungry? Am I, do I really need that second slice of pizza? Do I really need that second glass of wine? Um, and more often than not, if you just don't punish yourself with, you know, beating yourself up, you can't do this, you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, as opposed to just saying, I don't really, am I bored? Is that why I'm eating? Am I depressed? Is that why I'm eating? Am I going along with the flow? Water's crucial. Um, and, and I think if you, if you, the thesis I have with Dare to be Vital is that vitality is a skill. Um, and, and so it, there is a crossover into what I do in my day job, but I feel like, um, a vitality coach or, or ambassador and, 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 the work I do outside of being a physician, and I can be a little more specific 
as opposed to a patient who comes to see me with a problem. That's my job to fix it. Excellent. Well, it really, you really put these in layman's terms. Now, you talk about the four interactive pillars of being vital. And can you also just please tell the audience, what does it mean, dare to be vital? What does vital actually mean? Just vitality, zest for life? How do you define that? So it's a good question. I struggled with that for a couple of years. You have lots of good questions. <laughs> um, and my working definition of vitality is this. Vitality is purposeful, vigorous, and connected living. Vitality is purposeful, vigorous, and connected living. And each one of those words is obviously very carefully chosen. So I do think your purpose is the foundation of your vitality. And too often we kind of don't think about what our purpose should be. It's a very difficult concept. So we let other people define our purpose or we just kind of go through life not thinking what our purpose should be. But that's where I start in my classes is try to help people pinpoint their peak purpose. Vigorous gets to, gets to the, you know, exercising relentlessly, but also vigorous in your attitude. So you, you mentioned excuses and things like that. Um, when it comes to, to either weight or exercise, you know, maybe you're eating too much, you're not exercising enough. One of, my ex, one of the exercises I have in my class is, okay, give me all of them. Give me five, give me 10, write them all down. Okay. But I want two columns. The first column is every excuse you can think of, you know, I'm busy. I don't feel well. I've got a lot of family responsibilities. I don't have enough money. It used to be the commute. The commute is a little less now because there's maybe no commute. Um, and that's side one. <clears throat> and that's the excuse side. The second side is if you think of those excuses as barriers, what are you going to do to get in around or through that barrier? Okay. And most often we complain, and, and actually I've been surprised in the surveys I've done of either my corporate clients or my students, the number one thing people I thought would be, oh my God, he teaches me how to you know, connect with my purpose or my vitality. I think it's actually time. So we all are given the same amount of time, but what I, I, I say is be ruthless about how you spend your time. And, and so that's a function of what your purpose is. And we are all wasting 15 to 30 minutes a day. Um, and I've, I've been in the Silicon Valley for 25 years now. Everybody's busy, just ask them. But they're doing something with their time that may or may not be ideal. So if you start to act ruthlessly with your time, you're going to find that something is not right. And there's something you're going to be able to cross up that list of things you're doing. And then you can put that into working on exercise or being more mindful about how you, you eat. That's great. So you can be ruthless with your time and exercise relentlessly, even if you only have 45 minutes and you can break it up in three 15 minute in increments. There's yes. always a way. On the legs, I'm very interested in the leg power is brain power. If you are moving and you're lifting weights with your arms and you're doing a lot of cardio with your arms and like think, does it actually perpetuate to the whole body? Even if yes. you can't use it, it does. Okay. So yeah, no, so, so it's, it's, it's still emerging. Okay. And I try to be super scientific as opposed to anecdotal about what I'm saying, but it looks like aerobic, vigorous aerobic training or HIIT training may be really good for you, but any sort of muscle contraction, that could be the bicep curls, that could be other upper extremity, you know, yep. workout activity, maybe even an exercise bike. They have upper extremity bikes. I don't yep. know if you've seen those. Um, that's going to help stimulate your muscle and release those, those really good proteins and what we call cytokines that will, will stimulate things way beyond where you are. So it's, it's just, I think we were meant to move and, and we've kind of gotten into this situation, especially in this last year where 
we're sitting too much. We're not moving around. We're, you know, we're um, you know, told to stay indoors and all this stuff has not been good for us. And, uh, and there's some value to it apparently, but not definitively for mitigating the pandemic, but there's, there's very little evidence out there that being outside and getting, taking a walk is bad for you. So that's part of this, what I call hashtag move now thing that I've been trying to do. And by the way, I, was, I, I committed to doing it 28 days in a row and posting something on my dare to be vital Instagram. And I thought that would be easy, but for those, those of you who are Instagram experts, I'm not. And coming up with like a 60 second video every day of what I'm doing, I should, I should videotape this. I'm talking to you about moving. That could be my, my post for today. There you go. <laughs> it gets to be challenging to come up with something that people might want to interact with. But the whole point is not to, you know, be, become an Instagram influencer. It's to try to motivate people to literally move now. Uh, and any, take a lap around your dining room table, go up and down the stairs if you can, just get moving because it's really, really good for you. Now, back to your, back to your um, Dare to Be Vital. You talk about the four interactive pillars, which are physical, mental, social, and spiritual. And all, these, all of these things lend you finding your peak purpose in life, stockpiling your health, and think with time in mind. This is very well organized. What do you see are the biggest barriers in a commonality? Is it the physical, the mental, the social, or the spiritual? I think each of us has strengths and each of us has weaknesses. Yeah. And so uh, I think some of us can be incredibly physically strong, but maybe spiritually weak. And spirituality to, for, for me personally is a belief in God and I am a Christian, but I think it's also just a belief in something bigger than yourself. So if you're all about you only, then you're never going to be as vital as possible. And, and it's such a difficult concept that I still struggle with, even though I know and I really love to do this. But serving somebody else in need is one of the best ways if you're stuck. So if all of us, every single one of us has some problem or issue or concern that we're struggling with. Um, and and if, we're, if we just get out of our own way one way or another, I, I call it the hashtag dare to be vital challenge. Use your unique talents and enthusiasm, your talents and enthusiasm to transform yourself, your community and the world. So use your unique talents and enthusiasm to transform yourself, your community and the world. Now, when, when I do this in a class, which I'll be doing, I do it all the time now, I just say, listen, what are you good at? Are you, are you a good listener? Are you a good organizer? Are you a good uh, cook? Are you a good cleaner? I mean, like I'm a terrible cook, but I'm, I can clean really well. Uh, <laughs> so that's a bargain. Like you want to cook something for me, I'll clean all day and twice sure. on Tuesday. Um, but you, you, each of us knows what we have a talent for. And also we know what our weaknesses are. But lean into using whatever your talents to help somebody who doesn't have that. That leads me to maybe a second secondary thought here, and, and it's it's hard. It's a hard thing to say, is that each of us has been through stuff, um, whether it's the accident, injury, uh, family issues or concerns, and it's sort of a new idea that is counterintuitive. But I, I call it your weakness is the way, and people go, well, "What are you talking about?" I go, "Well." Uh, maybe, you know, something happened to you as a kid that you don't really want to talk about. Some, something happened to you at work that you don't want to talk about. You have a real serious issue or concern. Um, if you're more open about that, then you're, you're more likely to be able to help somebody else. And that might have happened to you for a reason. And then that, and, and, and I was actually called out um, 
by, uh, by my pastor when I gave a talk at Google to do something. So first of all, he, he's like, oh, you're the vitality guy. Um, you know, he, I nominated you to give a talk at Google about your vitality. I'm like, oh, that's cool. And so I, I practiced with him and he said, mm, not good. And I'm like, this is two years ago, maybe even three years ago. It's like, what are you, what's wrong? And I go, he goes, oh, no, no, you're, you're, you're giving your doctor speech. And so he called me out to tell my story of how and why I was a Christian at Google in Silicon Valley. Was that controversial? It was hard. It was very hard to put it all together, but it was insanely well received. Okay. Especially in Silicon Valley because hundred percent, hundred percent. Right. So what became one of the challenging things for me to share, and it's not that I don't uh, want to share it. I just don't, feel as comfortable sometimes as I should. And then I, people came up to me afterwards and like, oh my God, thank you so much. And it was, it was literally on the Google campus in one of their auditoriums and, um, and, allow, and it's allowed me to, to, to be more open about it. And I think people are screaming for spirituality. I'm not saying people have to follow what I do, but people are screaming to be part of something bigger than themselves. Especially right now. now, I can't imagine people that didn't grow up with some kind of some kind of faith with, with the pandemic and all of the, the, the resources in our economy, there is no hope. And you see the suicides go up. And it's like, even if you get depressed, we know as, as Christians and, or whatever someone is, there is a, a higher faith and, and we know that there's something better and we're striving to be something. And that's just really interesting that you were able to speak on that and they didn't say anything, but that just goes to show how open-minded Google is. And I love that your pastor sort of said, this is what, what it should be. Oh, no, he told me, totally called me out. <laughs> Very forward thinking, but kind of, kind of, yeah, that, that could have been, could have been bad. I'm really glad that went well. It's very interesting to me. This class, Dare to be Vital, it can be for anybody. Because originally I thought, is it just for medical students? Is it just for students at Stanford? But if it is, it is an online program. You do, pri- is it private coaching as well? So, so Dare to be Vital is something that I organize a few things under. One, you're alluding to this uh, course. It's called Vitality Essentials. It's done through Stanford Continuing Studies. I've, I've now been doing it for several years. It used to be just on the Stanford campus, which is really cool, um, but it went virtual last year. And because it went virtual and because it's through Stanford Continuing Studies, anybody can sign up for it. Again, I, I think the op- it just opened yesterday. Um, but we keep it to a very small number of people. And so you can find a link on daretobevital.com. The other part of what I do with Dare to Be Vital is not so much individual coaching, but I work with companies and how to enhance the vitality of their teams. And the, the end point is weird because a lot of corporate organizations are focused on wellness. And I'm a little allergic to that term because I don't want to just be well, I want to be vital. And so just by changing the endpoint from vitality to wellness allows me to be a little more, as I suggested earlier in our conversation, to be a little more, to push people a little harder. Like, I don't want you to be well, I want you to be vital. And if you're gonna be vital, and by the way, who doesn't wanna be vital? I'm trying to find, I haven't found anybody who's against vitality yet. Right. So if I don't wanna, uh, maybe somebody doesn't wanna be vital, but um, you've got to do something for yourself. And then what I've, what I've tried to do, and I've been at this for close to five years now, is I've done a lot of the homework. I've done a lot of the re- medical and other research into this. And what I've reduced it to are what I call vel- vetted vitality info snacks. So we live in these 60 seconds or less. So I've got to be able to, to tell somebody, okay, you know, 
think with time in mind, pinpoint your peak purpose, consider sleep a superpower. These are all reduced into the, the Vitality Essentials course book, which is up on Amazon. And it, it, it grew out of a book that I wrote. I wrote about a 400 page book. And then somebody about a year ago said to me, nobody's going to read your 400 page book. Why don't you just turn it into a hundred page course book? So it's more like a workbook on your vitality. Um, but that's what we use. That's the required textbook for the class, but that's also available for anybody. Is it and, as well? I'm sorry? Is it electronic as well? Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, it's on Kindle as well. I haven't Excellent. put it up on Apple yet, but it's on Kindle as well. And, and as you can tell, I'm passionate about it. And that's actually back to where Clubhouse comes in is Clubhouse has been I just discovered it a few weeks ago, but it's a it's basically a worldwide radio potential audience or or sort of a town hall. And already in the few weeks that I've been on there, I've met so many amazing people like yourself and connected with people from all over the world. And because people are forced to use their voice, um, and you know, I maybe disclaimer, I, I did have my own radio DJ show when I was in college. I was gonna but say, yeah, you're pretty good. You're pretty if, good. if I if I could be like the chain smokers and get you know paid big money to spin records, I would do it. But <laughs> I, I, that that wasn't available back then. Um, so. We are, we're having better conversations because people aren't just typing in 144 characters, some nasty comment. I want to learn more about your perspective. I want you to understand my perspective. And, and there is so much information that's translated in your voice, but without having to get Zoom fatigue. So you could be taking a walk or you could be folding the laundry or whatever while you're listening in. And, and I've become a massive I don't know, clubhouse fan. So I appreciate Me that. Me too. And I also love that it's not about, it's not about the looks. And there's so many people that just rely on that only. And I work as a model full-time and in, in acting and modeling. And I always tell people, because there's a lot of people I work with, it's like they only lead with their looks. And it's like that can fade. You can get in a car accident. You've got to have a heart, a brain, and empathy. I just you've got to be curious. Like I just now I'm, I'm certainly not ripping on on people, but there's just I seem to more often than not run into that. And I love the fact that the clubhouse is intellectual it's debating and last night i was on at three in the morning just heard a huge argument and there's a lot of battles going on lately but you know what battle it out it's a good discussion um so we can i so all the social media will be on uh dare to be vital you also have the website dare to be vital.com and then the hashtag dare to be vital before i let you go because i know we have to moderate clubhouse i would love to just ask you um what has been your favorite if you can call it a cheat food during the pandemic, has there been a recurring treat where you're like, Oh, I know I shouldn't have it, but I have to, I have to do it. It's mostly been Reese's peanut butter cups I've found and macaroni and cheese, popcorn and chips. Those have been the most popular. Now, how about you? All right. Now I don't quite look like it, but I'm half Asian Indian. And so I discovered this awesome Indian Pakistani uh, takeout restaurant in Palo Alto. And uh, just last night, <clears throat> excuse me, binged a little bit too much tiki masala. And uh, and just, it's impossible to eat good Indian food without carbs. So that's my cheat. Um, but, you know, I've also do intermittent fasting. And so it's almost 1230. And so since eight o'clock last night, I've had just a little coffee and tea. But uh, the Indian food takeout, and it's, it's, it's relatively inexpensive, but ridiculously good. So I uh, that's my cheat. Once, may, not quite once a week. I, I've been trying to do it maybe twice a month, but that's that's my cheat. 
what are some goals and how can we support you besides going to the website and everything else? What are some goals that you are looking forward to? Well, you've already done it. So this is this is one of my goals for this year is to connect with like-minded individuals who want to help other people. So if you're interested, you can find me on Instagram at Dare to Be Vital. You can find me on LinkedIn or you can find me on, the, on Clubhouse at Alan Mishra. Um, I'm probably going to use Clubhouse most because I, I really enjoy that format and I've never um, quite cracked the code on, on the other social media uh, platforms. And I guess the other thing I call out if people are listening is, is to try to use social media for good. Um, I think there's so, so many good people out there and, and, and just uh, the final thing I'd, I'd ask people to think about is to take that dare to be vital challenge to use your unique talents and enthusiasm to transform yourself, your community, and the world. Uh, because if, if we had a whole bunch more vital people out there, think how great the world would be. Absolutely, and there's there are, like you said, so many good people. Well, thank you. I look forward to um, working with you again on Clubhouse. You did a wonderful job, and um, I hope you can get another tiki masala sometime this week. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so very much. Right, and you're it's, so welcome. And Dare to be vital, Dr. Ellen Mishra. It's been a real right, pleasure. Awesome. Thank you. And that was Dr. Alan Mishra on Dare to be Vital. With his four interactive pillars of physical, mental, social, and spiritual, he wants you to leave a vital life full of purpose and vigorous connected living. And you can find all of his links and social media and then podcast notes below. We appreciate you for listening and please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. You can also listen on Spotify, Stitch, or Google Play, Luminary, Tuned In, or at Believe.com. You can certainly reach out to me for any questions or topics you'd like covered on the show at Ann McDaniels. And I'll see you next time on So Cow Sweat. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.